0: Hi, everyone. everyone. Hi,
1: everybody. Aggies, near and far. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Marina Mountner, and today we will be talking with two students who studied in francophone or French-speaking countries in the fall of 2021. I'm here with Evan Pearson. He was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, and is a senior majoring in international relations with a double minor in French and global studies. And he has a passion for peoples, nationalities, geopolitics, business, and law. He is a native French and English speaker, and he just studied abroad in Paris, France this fall 2021. How are you doing, Evan? I'm doing great today, Marina.
2: How are you doing?
1: Good, good. Um, you know, just getting back from a bit of travel, which I think you probably are as well. Um, so I, I'm going to ask a couple of questions about uh, your motivations for studying abroad and also about your experience while you're abroad. Um, and then you also did something really cool and recorded some sounds while you were studying abroad. So we'll listen to those a little bit later in the episode and get to hear those. And you can tell us a little bit about each of them. Great. So uh, when did you first decide that you wanted to study abroad? And how did you figure out which program you wanted to do?
2: Yeah. So to answer the first question, I decided I wanted to study abroad. It was kind of two faceted. I was always interested in studying abroad. And I knew that I wanted to return to France because I had gone to France my junior year of high school in 2017 to France with a French family that I stayed in contact with until this year. So we've been very close. And I decided that I wanted to go back to France because I was minoring in French and I've always had a significant passion for France and everything French culture. So I wanted to go back and I figured out what program I wanted to study. So I wanted to do Sciences Po, and I knew to do that because it was a very prestigious university in France. It's kind of like the Harvard of France, as they call it there, uh, and it specializes in uh, international relations, politics, and anything really international. So I knew I wanted to go there, uh, but I also was required to study abroad with my major, which is international relations as a graduation requirement. So
1: Oh, that's awesome. So, as I said earlier, you've been speaking French for a long time. Can you tell me a little bit about your French background? And you also said that you traveled when you were in high school. Do you think that your language has changed at all?
2: Definitely. Uh, so, I'm I'm not French ethnically. Uh, I started speaking French relatively around a young age, probably in middle school. Uh, I was always passionate about languages, so I started with French. And I've stuck with French ever since then. So I took French through middle school, high school, and obviously through my college career. And I, I would definitely compare the two. When I first went to France, obviously, you're kind of thrown in the fire a little bit. And that was my first time really living abroad. And it is quite different because obviously you're just speaking English. And... Now I had to entirely rely on speaking French because my French family spoke French and everywhere I went, people spoke French. People did speak English, but my goal was to obviously better myself by speaking French as much as I could. Uh, So it was a large adjustment my first time I was there. But the second time I was there also, it was a big adjustment, but it wasn't as difficult. I would say I was on my own, uh, living in an apartment you know, going to school by myself, cooking, cleaning, you know, finding the grocery stores or basic necessity that she might need. So a lot of it was on my own. I wasn't living with anybody else or with obviously my French family. So, and that was, that was a struggle, but obviously that I think heightened my French abilities uh, as I went along even better than the first time. So I'd definitely say that's a big difference between the two.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's super interesting. And I think You know, I I definitely understand that I studied abroad in Mexico City, also um, as a senior in college. And when I did that, I remember I had quite a bit of Spanish under my belt and I felt somewhat comfortable in Spanish, but living and studying and, you know, just breathing all the time Spanish was a lot more difficult. Sometimes I just like wanted to take a little rest. Um, from all of it I totally (laughs) um... agree
2: one thing I definitely noticed was uh I was actually quite exhausted uh the first few weeks I was there because you know like speaking English we're just speaking English it doesn't really take effort to understand or speak it uh but when you're trying to aggressively learn another language it takes effort to focus on what people are saying and that obviously takes a mental toll I would say uh, but obviously, it gets easier as you go along. But I definitely say when I first got there, I was exhausted the first few weeks just trying to understand what people are saying and try to keep up.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you're just not used to necessarily the um, the cadence of the language or, you know, the certain people who you're hanging out with. It's always going to be a little bit different than kind of like that standard, whatever you're learning in the classroom. Um, exactly, so... exactly.
2: Academic, academic language learning is not not nearly the same as just, just, you know, in-person speaking language, so.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. Great. The next question that I had, uh, actually, you know, I didn't know that you had gone with a family before uh, to France, so I have a couple of questions, follow up on that. One is, um, where did you stay, where did you stay with the family when you went in high school? And then also, um, did you have some expectations of, you know, what it would be like this time around? And how was that different um, than kind of what your expectations were?
2: Definitely. So to your first question, uh, my French family was in Lyon. So that is kind of towards the southeast, I would say. So it's a little bit, it's actually pretty close to Switzerland. So that kind of gives you some perspectives. Uh, so they were in Lyon and they stayed in Lyon when I was there, obviously, because that's where they live. And I was in Paris. So Paris is about two hours by train from Lyon. Uh, by driving, I'd probably say it's closer to, you know, four to six hours. And so, so some of my expectations, I would definitely say everything was on point. Like I, I try not to have, you know, like my biases and expectations. Like that was going to be like my guiding principle when I was there. But obviously I had some expectations, you know, with like the food, the culture, the people, Uh, you know, the, the. The academics, because uh, I knew Sciences Po was going to be very difficult. Um, and I'd definitely say they actually all my expectations, I believe, were met. Nothing was really changed necessarily. I think it was just, you know, a little tweaks there. But I would definitely say the academics met my expectations, just being the prestigious school that it is and academics the rigor. The food was very good. I, I had so much delicious French food. Uh, you know like some french onion soup obviously the croissants the Uh, baguettes uh, all of it was very very good the people are very nice it just depends where you go there's meet people everywhere but you know uh, (laughs) I met amazing amazing people when I was there from around the world Uh, especially international students uh, like myself when I was there like I think that was one of the most amazing things was just being able to you know listen to their stories and see where they come from Uh, I really enjoyed that so
1: Awesome. So you said that um, the program is fairly prestigious that you participated in and that you wanted to take courses um, that were aligned with your major there. So can you tell me a little bit about what courses you did take and maybe what was your favorite course and why?
2: Definitely. So I took So I was pretty much done with my major when I got there. I had one class left that I fulfilled when I was there, which was actually called the sociology of cities, which was kind of like the inner workings of cities uh, that we don't really consider, you know, like sewer systems and garbage systems and like, you know, city planning and urban planning and stuff like that. So that was very interesting. And then I, so I had five classes in total. That was one. The other four were I had an African conference class, which was entirely in French. Then I had a Western Balkans class in the EU, so, you know, Greece and Albania and Serbia and Croatia, and their, it was discussing, like, their pathways into the EU, uh, which is something that I'm very interested in, and uh, so I that class, and then I also had Middle Eastern Cinema and Politics, which I believe might have been my favorite class, but the last class I took was a Islam and the State class, which I also really enjoyed. But my Middle Eastern cinema class, I really enjoyed because it was kind of off the wall. I didn't really expect to be taking it, but I signed up for it. So I signed up for it. And it was one of my favorite classes ever because the teacher was actually an American professor, but she teaches at Sciences Po. But we just learned about all these different filmmaking techniques and, and like Middle Eastern stories and Middle Eastern cinematographers and directors. So I learned so much stuff that I did not expect to learn that I thought was very useful, very interesting. And it taught me different ways of analyzing, looking at just films in general, but especially Middle Eastern films. And obviously we learned about, you know, like the histories and politics of different Middle Eastern countries and people's lives. So I thought that class was probably my favorite class. I absolutely loved it.
1: That's awesome. That sounds really interesting. And that class, was that also taught in French?
2: That class was in English. I had two classes in French. It was the African conflicts class and the Sociology of Cities.
1: Okay, Okay. great. So so that must have been nice to take a couple of classes also in English then. Okay, so one thing that we did have some questions from some of our other producers on um, Aggies Near and Far uh, was relating to kind of travel around Europe. So obviously being in Paris, France, um, that's one of the largest cities in Europe and Um, And it's very centrally located as well. And so you are able to access other countries and other cities. Um, What kind of traveling did you do during your semester or after or before? And what were some of the ways that you were able to do that maybe in a more economical way?
2: Definitely. So unfortunately, I actually was not able to travel outside of France because school just got super hectic. And, and then I had, like, some other things that I had to, you know, figure out and deal with. So I actually did not travel out the country. I almost did. I almost went to Spain and Barcelona and Madrid, but I had to pull out at the last second. But I did travel around France, so I could definitely answer that question. So I, went, I took some trips to Versailles, for example. I obviously did, like, a lot of the touristy attractions around Paris, obviously, the Eiffel Tower. They have a plethora of museums. I went to a handful of museums. And some of the ways that actually we figured out how to do that was to buy the metro. metro, obviously, they are very good public transportation. They're actually famous, I feel like, for the metro system. It's very efficient. So we would probably get, you know, like, metro cars where you can buy, like, metro tickets every time you go. And that's probably the cheapest way to travel around because they still have, obviously, Ubers and taxis, but obviously that can be expensive. But another way I feel like that was super efficient was the they have something called limes or like any kind of scooter brands you can get on those and they're very very cheap and you can get where you need to go pretty quickly like i definitely use those a lot i feel like because everything was pretty centrally located and wasn't too far from where i was so i could either take the metro or you know like take a scooter so
1: yeah that's awesome um yeah i you know i think a lot of times when you get the opportunity to live in a big city like that, you can just spend the entire semester being, you know, in the city and still have so many things that you didn't see. Definitely. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's pretty common is to kind of just stay near the metropolitan area um, during a trip like that. Um, and so actually speaking of Paris, so we have some of these um these sounds that you recorded while you were there. So we're gonna, I'm gonna play them. And then if you could just tell us a little bit about them, they're all pretty short. Um, So uh, we will start with this one, because I think um, you said that this one is um, where you spent a lot of time. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about what was going on in that clip? And then I will play it again after we finish talking about it.
2: Yeah, so that clip was the burial line um, for Josephine Baker. So to give you some context uh, so about the location and then I can tell you about who she was just briefly. But the Pantheon is actually where my apartment was. And the Pantheon is this really, really like imposing building uh, it looks like the, like a Capitol building, but it's not a government building. It's more of where they bury like important French people throughout history. Like A lot of your French politicians are buried there, or your famous like writers and poets are also buried there. So it's a very cool place to check out, would highly recommend. But Josephine Baker's burial procession, she was moved from wherever she was to the Pantheon, and that was kind of the sirens of the police kind of moving through that were uh, relatively close to where I was to kind of bury her so that was that was a pretty cool experience i didn't see anything but uh i was just happy to be there so
1: yeah definitely so i'll just play that again one more time so everyone can hear it okay um so the next clip that we have is this one. Hey, okay. so can you tell me a little bit about this clip, what you were doing, and then what they are saying? Yeah, so
2: that was probably one of the best things that I've probably ever done when I was on that trip. So I went to a Paris Saint Germain game. If you don't know, Paris Saint Germain is their professional soccer team. And Messi, if you don't know who that is, Messi, he's obviously one of the best players in the world, just uh, transferred to PSG to play, obviously with some other big names like Mbappe and Neymar. Um, So I went to their rivalry game with Nice, uh, France. So Nice is in the southern part of France, uh, in the Mediterranean area. But like, they're really big rivals. So I went to this game in Paris. It was a capacity game. Like, there was no nowhere to sit, nowhere to stand. Everybody was like shoulder to shoulder. And I was kind of in the area where I, I would call it the student section of like the soccer stadium. And they were just like a bunch of rowdy fans. I actually don't really know what they're saying because these people, I feel like, were raised on like the sayings. I couldn't really hear hear anything because it's super loud when you're there. So yeah. I don't know what they're saying. But one of the best experiences of my life, probably. Uh, I would highly recommend anyone if you have a chance to go to a European soccer game, do it. You would not be disappointed. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Nobody scored, unfortunately. So you know, the one time I decided to go to a game, nobody scores. But it was still an amazing experience, and I would highly recommend it. That's
1: awesome. Did, do you watch a lot of soccer normally?
2: I don't, but it's one of my favorite sports. I I don't watch soccer a lot because the time zone difference is crazy. Like, if I decided to watch a game, it'd be, like, probably in the morning here, and obviously, you know, you're, doing, you're occupied with a lot of other things like school and work. So, you know, we can't do that, unfortunately. But yeah. I absolutely love soccer. It's definitely one of my favorite sports.
1: Cool. Great. Yeah. So that must've been, um, a really exciting experience then. I know that was something that we also did when I studied abroad in Mexico city was, you know, they have the big soccer games there as well. Uh, football (laughs) and and, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Everywhere else in the world, football is is football (laughs) except for here in America. So, uh, we also went and, um, I remember actually that we, like, all dressed up in, it was a Mexico versus the U.S. game. It was one of oh, wow. the Olympic, um, ga- uh, you know, um, friendly matches, qualifying. I think, um, or qualifying matches. And um, and so we went and we all wore our, like, Mexico gear because we were like, oh, we don't know if it's going to be weird. Because um, I know, especially in England, um, you know, people will actually, like, rough you up. Um, and yeah and whatnot at the game so do you did you have to like worry about who you were cheering for or anything like that
2: no because I didn't have a jersey for either team so I just kind of blended in and I, I was I was obviously in that section so I was just you know going along with what everybody else was doing so I didn't oh, know how to do okay. it okay
1: <laughs> great okay so this last one is pretty neat and it might sound maybe a little bit out of place so if you could just tell us about like generally the sound in Paris. Um, So I'm going to...
2: Yeah, so uh, my friends and I, after school, this was pretty close to our apartment. It's actually right across from the Notre Dame. So we were actually on a bridge and they have these pop-up artists. I don't know them professionally, like their names. They were uh, some jazz musicians. And we just decided to just sit down and listen to them for about 30 minutes. And they were just playing. And uh, uh, that happens a lot in Paris. Uh, They have different types of music, different type of music scenes. It was actually very, very calming, very peaceful, very enjoyable. And there was a lot of people there that really enjoyed it as well. So.
1: Awesome. That's really great. Yeah. I think, you know, that's something that I notice in some cities, you know, I think street music is really common and I'm not quite as used to that in Southern California. We have dancing or skating or, you know, jumping around or that sort of thing, like to music, but they don't necessarily like have like a full band on the, on the street um, (laughs) playing music. Whereas like we were, I just visited New Orleans last month and there, like, they'll have jazz musicians just out of the street, you know, a really, you know, interesting and diverse sound as well. But uh, that was really exciting for me um, recently getting to experience a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I had the same thoughts too. I was like, because there's a piano there and I was like, well, how did they get that piano there? And it's not like, you know, there's like, trucks like in the U.S. it's not like they have those that's not really a thing there so I was thinking the same thing I was like well how did they get there how did they set it up but it, it was amazing so
1: yeah yeah it's it's more common in in certain places than others and I think you know it's yeah it, it does seem very odd to like walk down the street and then see people yeah like playing the piano like on on the sidewalk or something yeah so one question that we did have from another producer and Aggies near and far was kind of the effect of the pandemic on your study abroad experience. So obviously, you know, right now we're actually all remote uh, through the end of January because um, Omicron and COVID generally has been spiking here in California and around the world. Uh, Last semester, COVID was not as present in all of our lives. I think there was kind of a little you know, excitement that maybe we were out of this. And um, so this is kind of a two-part question. One is, did COVID affect uh, when you were going to study abroad or your thoughts about studying abroad previously? And then while you were abroad, kind of what role did it play while, um, while you were there?
2: Definitely, so to the first question, I had actually planned to study abroad in the spring of 2020 but obviously, that was the first year with everything going on, um, and I had planned to do the same program at Sion's Po in Paris. But I don't, obviously, everything was canceled, so <clears throat> I had to stop that. And then I like uh, started it back up when it was available again this year in 2021. And when I was there, well, let me back up a little bit. So, like you know, getting your visa and like the the process before going, uh, COVID was like a huge part of that, like you had to obviously get COVID tested, you know, a few days before you could get on the plane. You had to get all this documentation with your vaccines and you had to put all this stuff, you know, so that they could let you in the country. So that was one thing. And then when I got there, uh, one thing that's very different, I feel like there than it was here is that to get into any establishment, like restaurant, building, office, school, you had to to get uh, an application that would uh, it was like a QR code that you would show to any establishment and they would like, you know, check it to make sure that you, you were allowed to come in. That I've never done that in the U.S. I feel like you can just walk into anybody, you know, and really ask you ask you if, you know, you've been vaccinated or not. I mean, that could be something, but I've never experienced that myself. And then obviously when I was there, I had to wear a mask every time I was in class or inside a building, uh, similar here. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty much it. Uh, definitely some regulations and stuff. Actually, when I was leaving, the Delta variant was starting to pick up a lot, or it might have been Omicron as well. But I I remember COVID was starting to spike, and people were like, are we going to be able to like leave the country? Uh, so like, I had to get like my COVID test. I was sitting outside, and it was like you know like forty degrees, and I was trying to get my COVID test, and yeah, I was very hectic. So. COVID is definitely a real thing and obviously it needs to be taken seriously so it definitely affected my trip so
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I mean to other think...
2: countries as well like that's the other thing like mm-hmm. if you wanted to travel to another country obviously you had to be aware of you know they could any moment and each country is a little bit different with their laws and entry and exit so it is possible that you could get stuck in another country That never happened to me because I never went out the country, but some of my friends were having some issues at some points, various points during the, the quarter, but just depending on what country they went to, so.
1: Wow, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that we don't think about, I think, as much in the U.S., that you don't cross borders quite as often, necessarily. Whereas in Europe, you know, the EU, it's fairly common to cross borders on kind of a weekend basis or go from one country to another, which maybe might be more common in places that are closer to borders in the US. So, like we used to go down to Tijuana when I was living in San Diego for the weekend um, when I was younger, and obviously that's gotten more difficult. So, I think the same is true as well in the EU during COVID. It used to be maybe fairly easy to go from one country to the other, but now especially with the differences in restrictions based on COVID from country to country, you can kind of get stuck places. Yeah, so great. Well, it was really great talking with you. And I think one one question that we like to ask is what your vision for global education is. So if you want to just touch on that before we close.
2: Yeah, um, I feel like, You know, obviously, I would highly recommend studying abroad, but, you know, that might be out of the realm for a lot of people for various reasons. But there's so many ways to be involved with global education. Like, you don't need to study abroad. You can, you know, do an internship with somebody, especially, you know, with global global affairs. They have so many different things you can do with internships and jobs and experiences you can get. But I'd also recommend just, you know, taking classes that, you know, have an international focus. Uh, and there's a plethora of that here at Davis that you can do. I, I would also just you know, get to know people from around the world. Um, I think that's a great experience. That's a great insight you know, to other people's experiences and just their ways of living. And I think that can be very eye-opening to a lot of people. And I think that just being able to study abroad allowed me to do that, obviously, in a very international sense, but you can do that domestically as well. You just have to be proactive about finding things and talking to people and just being open to listening. So I would definitely say those are some of the things I would take into mind.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Evan. And it was really exciting to hear about your experience and it sounds like you got a lot out of it. So thank you so much for being on Aggies Beer and Bar.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Hi everyone, so we are chatting today with Sofia Maris de Juan, she was born and raised in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. She is a third year at UC Davis, majoring in international relations and sociology with a minor in human rights, and she speaks English, Spanish, and French, and just studied abroad in Brussels, Belgium this fall 2021. Hi, Sofia. Hello. Very happy to be here. Great. Yeah, it's really nice to have you on. We just spoke with Evan Pearson, who just did his study abroad in Paris, France. So we'll hear what your experience was like in Brussels and some of the places that you visited as well. So I just wanted to start off by asking... When did you decide that you wanted to study abroad and how did you figure out which program you wanted to do? That's a great question.
3: I decided that I wanted to study abroad, I think, since... I saw the study abroad office at Davis. I work there, I'm a peer advisor. But the reason why I've always been interested in all the international areas because I study international relations. And just the idea of going to another country and being able to see other cultures and meeting other people has always been exciting to me. Before I started my undergrad major, I did travel for a year. So I think just that having that experience already of meeting people from different countries made me realize that when you travel, places become faces. And I really wanted to have that in my undergraduate experience as well. I wanted to have that international perspective of learning things from my own major from another perspective of the world.
1: That's really cool. We can definitely understand that perspective here at Aggies Near and Far because we talk with people from all over or who have traveled or lived in different places and just being able to experience it yourself and get to meet and chat with other people in their either home environment or in a different place than you're used to um, can really open your eyes to many different experiences. So actually, you said that you had done a travel abroad program before, you said a year after high school. What was that experience like? And how was this experience on study abroad through the UC Davis program different than that one?
3: I think the first program that I did, I traveled to, I think it was five different countries um, and I traveled with a hundred people. So I felt that we were traveling kind of in our own bubble with a group of people going place to place and I was staying with host families. So I was really experiencing the culture of the place that we visited. And then we would travel to a different city every week and then to a different country every month. So we were really traveling every day and really getting to know people in a different way because we would do volunteer service everywhere we went. And while I was doing that, I would study two days a week. So it was like online studying. And then for my UC Davis program, it was mainly just, it was in Brussels. And I was there for the six months. So I think the experience was very different because, number one, I was older. So I did my first program when I was 18. And my second program, I did it right now. So I'm 22 now. And it doesn't sound like a lot of difference. But for everyone that's here, just think about yourself two years ago. And I bet you were not the the same person. So the same was for me. I think being older also the experience changes and being only in one place instead of traveling to every like a different place every week really makes you feel part of the community and there was one point where I could go to places without having to use google maps <laughs> and I think that's when I was like okay I, I feel more Belgian now or this place feels like home whether as my first program I was moving so much that I really enjoyed the places and I really got to know a lot of places in the world but the experience was different because I never felt that I belonged to any of those places it was more of like I was getting to know them uh, as I traveled.
1: Yeah that's a really great point and I think that many different study abroad experiences can have many different benefits right so uh, you said that you were traveling with what was a hundred other individuals when you did your previous one. And so you get to build relationships with those people, right? Because you're kind of bonded to them through this travel experience and maybe not so much to the places where you were visiting, but you do get to kind of get like this potpourri of culture and from your host families as well. Kind of an understanding that's that's a little different than when you stick in one place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Going along that line, what was the program that you did in Brussels and what were some of the courses that you took? Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, so I chose a program that was research internship and had the class component. So the name of the program is uh, internship and research in Brussels. But you actually take a month of classes all in French and you take economics, you take art and you take European history and all of this in French, and it prepares you for, I believe it's 12 weeks. And then after that, you go directly to an internship. So I was doing my internship at a university, and I was working at the Office of International Relations. And there I was able to practice my French skills in a working environment. So I really got to experience what it was to have working experience, like a nine to five job. And I realized, it might be not the job for me (laughs) which is great that I did it because in the real world I would have accepted this job because I read the job description and it sounded great right but then in practice it was not really what I was looking for and I think having that experience really opened my eyes to when you apply to a job you really need to know what you're going to do day to day because Sometimes as a graduate, I think, like when you recently graduate, you, you can feel so excited that you find a, found a job that you will accept anything just because it sounds cool, uh, but not thinking like, oh, this is actually what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna sit in front of a computer in an office and I'm just gonna see paperwork. And that's mostly what I did because it was a very administrative work and I did not think about that. so. I think that's mostly what I was doing and also I was doing the research component to it. So I wrote a research paper on identity, uh, specifically on Belgian identity in youth. So this, it was like the complete experience. I got to take classes, I got to experience a job in Brussels and I also got to uh, write a research paper on what I was experiencing at the same time.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point about, actually, job experience and getting to do an internship like that. And I think that, actually, specifically, internships are a really good way to learn more about a specific position. Um, Because sometimes you read a job description and you're like, "Eh, I don't really know if I want to do this. And then you do an internship and you find out that it's something that you really enjoy. And then obviously there's the other side of the coin where Mm -hmm. you read the job description. It looks like exactly like what you want to do. And then you start to do it and you realize it's not quite what you expected. And um, actually, I also got a similar experience, um, but kind of the opposite (laughs) when (laughs) I did a Fulbright fellowship uh, down in Mexico City at the National Autonomous University of Mexico, I did a nine month uh, research project, and it's very competitive. So I, you know, was very interested in it. um, But I kind of expected it to be something else. We had a project in mind, the funding was partially secured. And then by the time that I got there, the funding had fallen through. And I had to really kind of change gears and figure out what I wanted to do instead for the internship. And I ended up doing something that was kind of more along the lines of remote work and um computer-based rather than the pilot project that we had originally wanted to do. And I realized that I really liked modeling and I really did enjoy the research and the literature review and all of that. And so That was what kind of catapulted me eventually into going to grad school, and I might not have done that otherwise. So I think it is, you can realize that there is something that you enjoy, even if it wasn't what you expected. Going along those lines, you said that you did get a working experience uh, working in French, which is really cool. Can you tell us a little bit about your French skills going into that, what you had to do to prepare for specifically the program that you entered into and then also how you feel your french skills are today uh, given that you lived in belgium the last 6 months
3: yeah i think definitely my skills have gotten a lot better i joined the program with the level of french that was i think was good enough to understand the french but now i can basically understand everything and starting my job was challenging because i think language courses what they are lack the most is the practice part just because in the classroom setting you talk with people for an hour and then that's it right so when you're really immersed in a program that you actually are constantly listening to French you I think you learn by making mistakes and that's the best way to learn and the people that are listening to this Don't be afraid to make mistakes because if you don't make mistakes, you'll never learn. And that's something that I guide my life with because it does not only apply to language, it applies to everything in life, but especially this internship, I think, taught me that you can make mistakes and that's okay. And I think with my French, that's the case. I still make mistakes till this day and I know I want to still practice it more. But before going to my study abroad, I used to watch movies in French and I would always have to like have subtitles in English. And now I watch the movies and I don't need subtitles anymore. So I think that's a great improvement of being able to understand the language. And uh, one of the goals that I have that's really funny, I feel that when we learn a new language, we develop a new personality. So I don't feel myself since French is my third language and I don't feel myself when I speak French yet, (laughs) but I do feel myself when I speak Spanish, when I feel myself when I speak English, but it's a different type of self. (laughs) I don't know if it makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that that definitely resonates with me for sure. I, you know, um, my first language is English and then my second language is Spanish. And when I first studied abroad, I had taken, you know, middle and high school Spanish. My mom um, spoke Spanish to us when we were little growing up but my Spanish was really limited. And so when I went to study abroad, it was really tough. Exactly like you said before, it really resonated with me was that you don't get the chance to make mistakes. And I think that's true in a lot of language classes, even at the university level. A lot of times, you know, you read the story, you prep what you're going to say, then you say it in class. And it's kind of like this very performative thing And even the conversational practice is like, you always know what you're going to be discussing Mm -hmm. and you always know kind of like what you're going to be talking about. But, you know, that first year or so, I, like you said, I didn't really have a voice. I just kind of felt like, okay, I was responding to people. I had like, you know, it was like either very professional or just like, you know, things that I had practiced saying, Um, but I didn't really have like my own personal kind of way of talking and now Mm -hmm. I do feel that I have a voice and and so I I think I really get that like you kind of like mature in your link in a different language another question that we had some of um the producers was if you did any traveling outside of Belgium and then where did you go and then if you did go to other places how were you able to do that maybe economically or in a way that's accessible.
3: Yeah, for sure. I did travel a lot. I love traveling. (laughs) And so um, my first study abroad program, I made up tons of friends, right? Because I was traveling with a hundred people and a lot of them were from Europe. So I really wanted to see them again because it had been three years since I did that program and I haven't seen them. I think the best way to travel is if you have friends in other places, then going and visiting them is always a great idea because you can travel without having to pay where to stay. Um, And I think that's how I travel the most. But also with the friends that I made during my studying abroad, so I was staying in a house with five other people and they were all from different countries. So my housemates were all in the same situation I was, that they wanted to travel and like go to other places. So I'm really... That type of person that, in their free time, starts looking for flights. (laughs) So I think that's what I was doing most of the time. I traveled to Spain. I went to Italy. I went to Croatia. I went to Amsterdam. I went to Maastricht in the Netherlands. I went to Utrecht. I also went to Sweden. And I think that's it. Uh, All the month of November, every single weekend, I was traveling just because... I was like, okay, I'm going to be in Europe for this amount of time. And the way I planned it was that these are the friends that I have. The reason why I went to Sweden was because on my, I had a host family there like on my first uh, studying abroad. So then uh, they really became close to me and I really wanted to see them again. So I traveled to Sweden and I stayed with them for the weekend. It was like five days, I think, and it was just really nice to see them again. I think... An advice that I would have to people that travel to other places and really want to go to all these places is the connections that you make. And I think this is in life in general. And I try to do it. I think it's something I learned the first time I travel and I have applied it to my life ever since is the people that you meet are a resource. Every person that you meet, even the person that opens the door for you one day, they are people that live gives so many like changes so much that one day they might be a person that helps you get somewhere or you might be that person for someone else so I think the way I've done my traveling and got to places is by this uh, mantra if you want to call it just every person that you meet and it, it count. it sounds kind of silly I feel like like or not silly but um, like I'm not t- trying to take advantage of anyone <laughs> you know but <laughs> but it's just they really are my friends and they are they're really people I appreciate and I think being aware of those people in your life even now I'm not there but I still talk to them because I think they are connections that I want to keep the rest of my life and I think that's important to have and also a tip for traveling tip flights I used incognito mode on my computer to search for flights and Ryanair was like the main agency that I traveled with and they I like my trip to Croatia I think it was like 20 euros both ways and then my trip to Italy to Milan was like 30 euros so getting to Europe is expensive but then once you're in there and you understand the system and how the flights and trains work because the trains are also uh, I like going on train just because of environmental uh, things but I think yeah once you are there it's really easy to understand the system and how it works and get cheap flights and I think also in Croatia because I don't know anyone there I the place where I stay was like 30 euros um because I traveled with friends and it was 30 euros divided by four or something like that like there's really <laughs> there's really a lot of places that you can go and is not as expensive as you would think so i think my advice would be don't say no just because you were like i don't really have money to go anywhere try to see what options you have because sometimes we shut down doors because we're like you know what yeah i made my study abroad happen but i don't really have money because i used all the money to get here but i will say when there's a wheel there's a way so you'll find ways (laughs) to get wherever you want right
1: yeah. And actually, I think, you know, going back to what you were saying before about staying with friends, you know, I actually had a very similar experience when I was a junior in college. During the summer, my sister and her boyfriend at the time went on a trip to Europe for two months and we only paid for a place to stay I think one or two nights because we like missed a train and got stuck somewhere. But other (laughs) than that, a lot of the places that we stayed, one of them was my roommate. Um, She was a grad student visiting from Sweden. So we went and visited her while they were, we were there. I had another couple of friends who came to study abroad early in my junior year from uh, they were two German uh, students and they were actually studying at Maastricht. So I went and visited Maastricht, but the whole time, you know, we went around and we stayed with all these people that we knew. Mm -hmm. And then also like we learned about things that we would have never known about. So there's like this heavy metal festival, Roskilde outside of Copenhagen during the summers that also has tons of other kinds of music. And it's this huge festival, but it's like 95% Scandinavian people because you know nobody else really knows about it but our friends told us about it and so we went there for you know a couple of days um and it was really cool it was kind of like Coachella style you know camping and all Mm -hmm. of that so um yeah I, I totally agree with that so another question that we had from one of our producers uh we wanted to know how COVID affected your experience last term a lot of us felt like we were coming out of the pandemic and we were like listening up a little bit and doing things that maybe we haven't been doing in the last couple of years. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about that um, and what some of the limitations were for you, if there were any.
3: I think that some of the limitations that I had was in Europe, you need a COVID safe pass to go to places. And at the beginning, it was not mandatory. Like at the beginning, it was uh, some countries had it and some countries didn't ask really for it. But there was one point in Brussels where it became mandatory for everyone to have a COVID safe ticket. So you could not go to anywhere. You could not go anywhere without having this COVID safe ticket. And the the way you got it is you, were, you had to be uh, vaccinated with your two doses, which I was. I got my vaccine before going because it was one of the requirements. But then Belgium did not develop a system where international students or people that were not European could get a COVID safe pass. So I was stuck in Belgium without being able to get a COVID safe pass for two weeks. Because technically, when you get to Belgium, you have to register as a Belgian citizen and then they give you a card for three months. But then the the Belgian office is kind of a mess. So... I got there and they gave me an appointment for December and I was leaving in December. So it's kind of like, this is not going to work for me. Uh, So I had to go to France and get my COVID safe ticket there. (laughs) Um, Oh, wow.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) you kind of rolled with the punches, figured it out. Luckily, you had some experience in Europe before. Um, So, yeah. okay. So once you had your COVID pass, though, was it... um, pretty easy to get around. Yeah, so once I got my COVID safe ticket, I was,
3: I could practically go anywhere. And that was easy, and it was also I could go anywhere in any European country, so that was nice because when I traveled, they asked me for the COVID Safe Pass, and then I was because slowly every country started implementing it. I think it started in France, and then it started in the UK, and then started moving through all the European Union. And at the end, wherever I traveled, I had to use a COVID Safe Ticket. So at the end, it worked out pretty well but I got really frustrated for those two weeks because I felt really powerless and I I just felt that I think it was the first time where I felt that I didn't have control and I really felt I was not in my country and I could not do anything about it and I think that was really frustrating um but then once it was resolved I felt that I could Solved any issues and uh, that I could uh, while being abroad. So I think I learned a lot from that experience. Um, And also, my last two months there, they started closing bars and restaurants again. Um, So I think my experience was also affected in that way because I could not really go out. My last, I think it was month and a half that I was in Brussels, but it turned out good because the Christmas markets were open and (laughs) I would go there all the time.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it kind of was like a little bit of a blessing in disguise to, you know, get you to go places that maybe you, you wouldn't have frequented as much otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Okay. Well, we kind of touched on my last question already, which is what is your vision for global education going into the future? And so if you want to just touch on that a little bit, I know you talked about it already, but we like to close with thoughts on, on global education more generally
3: yeah of course i'm really an advocate for global education i feel that if everyone traveled to different places with people would be more compassionate because when we travel we can see stories through people's eyes and we don't see places only in a map we truly see cultures and people when we look at a map and i think if the world could see more people and see less on like less only geographical locations when they think about a country, the world would be a very different place because we could understand what is happening in a human level and not only in what we heard in the news. <laughs> so, one of my goals in life actually is to just empower people and share with people that traveling and studying abroad and just learning about other countries because we live in a world where you can travel in your computer like you can be in another place meet a person from another place in your computer so I think when we realize that people can be stories and each person is a a story and a culture and not only being (laughs) in earth um, then that's when we will really start seeing changes in the world.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure all of your experience will either encourage others or give them some insight as, as to what to expect when they study abroad. And I really appreciate you being on here. So thank you again. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was great.
0: hello everyone thank you so much for listening and we hope you all enjoyed this episode of aggie's near and far a podcast dedicated to fostering global education for all at uc davis the information contained in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the original creators and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the aggie's near and far organization we are always looking for students interested in furthering our mission to foster global education for all at ucd If you are a student who has studied abroad, a student from another country, or are just interested in intercultural exchange, we'd love for you to share your ideas for episodes with us. We're especially looking for students excited about sharing their experiences, conducting interviews, and illustrating their respective cultural events and significance. If you'd like to join our mission or just know a bit more about us, you can look us up as Aggies Near and Far on UC Davis Aggie Life, Facebook, or Instagram, or send us an email at aggies.near.far at gmail.com. This episode and others can be found on our Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher.